I'm from Connecticut, so I can easily take the weather in Georgia, no problem. Those two things caused me to to uh, begin the Appalachian Trail on February 27th. Oh my God, that that was a, I would never do that again. It, I was so, so cold. I mean, you, even if, if you were hiking, you still needed to wear a jacket and gloves and a hat and be covered head to toe. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast and the beginning of another through hiking season. This is the podcast where we get to pull up a seat at the campfire and have a conversation about all things through hiking. I'm Erin Egan, and today's guest is Moneymaker, known off trail as Jonathan Maidment. He has raised $250,000 through Hikes for a Cure for the Alpha One Foundation, a cause very, very close to his heart. Along the path to his Triple Crown, he lost the trail many times, started way too early and even took a couple unwanted helicopter rides. But he also grew up on the trail, learned to make hard decisions, and trust his gut. In this episode, we dig into adulting trail style, why the PCT might be holding a grudge, showing that a slow guy can hike the AT, and the old adage, do as I say, not as I do. You can find this episode at hiking-through.com, as well as on our brand new Hiking Through channel on YouTube. Enjoy my conversation with Moneymaker. party started. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for uh, letting me uh, kind of drop into your DM and say, hey, would you be excited about coming on a podcast? <laughs> yeah, it's not not every day I, I do a podcast, I must admit. Yeah, I'd actually... Um, oh, I don't have it. Unfortunately, I don't have it at my fingertips, but somebody else... DM'd me and said, you need to talk to Jonathan. So that was yeah, sort of the impetus. I, I know those people, the Wanda women, they are great. And I appreciate them letting you know about me. Yeah. Well, and you've got a fascinating story. So it's even better. <laughs> Where or how did you find out about the trail? Well, it, it first started with the Appalachian Trail. That's the first trail that I hiked end to end in 2014. And I live in Connecticut. And all of my life, I've been involved with scouting and Boy Scouts mm-hmm. of America. So because of scouting, I would always hike on the Appalachian Trail, whether it was in Connecticut, New Hampshire, or Vermont. So I, I remember as a 14, 15 year old kid and the scouting organization I'm a I'm part of, you go on a week long hike in the White Mountains. So hmm. the entire year beforehand, you do a lot of practice hikes to get ready for it. And I was the, I was always the guy who was 
in the back who was slow. And I remember finally catching up to my friends and being like, oh, sweet, I'm finally going to have a break. And as soon as I took off my backpack, they would just put on theirs and be like, what's taking so long, John? And from that day on, I said, you know what? Someday I'm going to do this just to show everyone that even the slow guy can can hike the Appalachian Trail. When you were doing that, was was the slowness just related? I mean, like that's just your hiking speed or is it related to something else? The slowness was just my hiking speed. Okay. As, a, as a 14-year-old kid, I was not the best in shape. I was, uh, I'm six foot four now. I was probably a foot smaller and 50 or so pounds heavier. So I, I was really not in the best shape. Right. And, and little did you know, you'd go on to do a triple crown. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of caught the addiction. Apparently. But you were also like when you decided to do the AT, you were hiking for a cause. There, there was a very specific reason aside from um, <laughs> proving, proving them, proving your, your hiking chops um, to do it. Yeah. And you've got your shirt there. So hiking for a cure. Yes. Um, I, like you, you noticed I happened to be wearing one of my hiking for a cure shorts. Uh, I, I, decided to hike the Appalachian Trail as a fundraiser for the L41 Foundation. It was actually my mom who said, you should look into this. And finally, a few months later, I I started doing the work to try to do it as a fundraiser. But my, my grandmother had this disease and unfortunately passed away from it. And my father and I have it as well. So what Alpha One is, is it's Alpha One antitrypsin deficiency. And it's a genetic disorder that causes lung and liver disease. And right now there's no cure for it, but knock on wood, hopefully something will be found in my time. And um, my my mom and I, we knew I was doing this in 2014, regardless of what happened. And she was the person who said, you know what, you really need to get in touch with the people who, the, the people in charge in <laughs> order to try to get this done as a fundraiser for the foundation, which I ended up doing. So this is all my mom's fault, luckily. <laughs> Limit on your mom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all three of your hikes, the, the, well, the Triple Crown specifically, are you were doing it for uh, Hike for the Cure, right? Yes. Okay. And I, I actually ended up doing it four times okay. for, the, for one foundation. What was the fourth one? Well... The Appalachian Trail hike went smoothly. So then I, I did the Appalachian Trail in 2014. 
And then I came back and my mom and dad, their plan kind of backfired because they they wanted me to hike the Appalachian Trail because I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. So they said, okay, let him do this. Maybe when he gets back, he'll know what he wants to do and go to college and start a life. But when I came back, my mom asked me what I wanted to do. And I I said, I, I want to hike the Pacific Crest Trail. So she, she made me get my associate's degree. And in 2018, that was my first attempt of the Pacific Crest Trail. And I say attempt because I was at mile 813.2 in the Sierra Mountain. And I had to be helicoptered off the mountain because I had a perforated abscess. Yeah. What, what was that? What happened? (laughs) Oh, but yeah, I, I, um, some of it is still unknown. The doctors, they all say to me, a kid your age at the time I was 12 or 21 years old, they said a kid your age and the physical condition that you're in should not be having this issue. But what it mainly was was um the the massive weight loss. I lost 30 pounds in two months of hiking. The the diet I eat, because as a through hiker, you do not eat the best food. Nope. Um and and the medication that I was on and the other medication that I was taking. So it, it was just a combination of things that kind of uh, exploded into an atomic bomb that I regretted a lot. How long? So it it caused you to have to get off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Somebody just revved their engines behind me. Yeah, they're, um, they're ruining for me. Exactly. Um, so you had to get pull off the trail, but how long did it take you to recover from that? Oh my God. It well, first of all, when I was in the hospital, that was done for me. I was like, nope, this I I want to do the PCT, but I do not want to die. So um I I was in the hospital for 10 days in Bishop, California, and uh I I couldn't walk. Because they, they had to do uh, emergency surgery on me and basically right in my stomach. Uh, and uh, so I, I, all of a sudden in a day, I went from being able to hike a lot to, to um, having to use a walker and then oh, a wheelchair. Wow. And then after a week or two, I could use a cane. And I was using a cane for a month, a month and a half. And probably it, it took two to three months before I started seeing pictures of my friends finishing the PCT, the friends who I was hiking with at the time of my incident. And then that's what kind of lit the spark back in me to not to, to finish the PCT. But then my mom my mom 
told me uh, again, she, she said, John, you know that if you go back out on the PCT, you won't be satisfied with just finishing it. So that's when 2019 came and I started from Mayo Zero and, and did the entire thing. So when you got, when you got pulled off in the Sierras at that point, you were kind of like, okay, I'm done. Uh, no PCT. I'm not going to do it. Yes. And, and you weren't going to come back. You weren't. No, I, I, yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm in love with backpacking, camping and hiking. And I really want to do the PCT, but I, it is not worth me sacrificing my life. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But the, uh, a big motivating factor in each of my hikes is the Alpha One Foundation. So I think that had a, a big, uh, motivating factor and why I wanted to go back out. I didn't want to, I didn't want the Jonathan Maidman story to end and my helicopter wide off. Yeah. Are you impacted? Like when you hike, are you impacted by your alpha one de- deficiency? My doctors, my lung doctor, I see a lot of doctors, a liver doctor and a lung doctor. And um, my lung doctor has told me, even though I have the disease, my lung function is as good as someone who doesn't have the disease. So right now I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm healthy. And, uh, my doctor basically said, as long as you keep, um, exercising and not smoking, don't drink beer and whatnot, and you, you should be good. So that, that's what told me, okay, maybe I should try to do the triple crown before I, before too late into my life and possibly I'm not able to do it. Right. Cause your grandmother, as you said, died from, I think it was emphysema or basically lung. She, she died from alpha one. So right. she, she whole, um, it affected her lungs and, um, she, she passed away in 2006. Oh, two, yeah. 2006. At 72, but she was on oxygen the last 25 years of her life. So, um, her lung function was very low. It was lower than like, uh, 10%. And, um, and she was supposed to die around 60 years old, but she was a fighter and she, she lasted an extra 12 years. Yeah. Thinking about that, though, does that, as you said before, I mean, pushes you to to get this done or do these things now while you know that you're healthy, while you know that you can do them? Yeah, my my friends and family, they they knew throughout the entire process from 2014 to now that the magic number for me is 26, right? When once you turn 26 you get kicked off of your parents' insurance. Yeah. And 
My mom, she worked for the state of Connecticut in the correction facility. So she had pretty, she has pretty good insurance. So I knew if I want to complete the Triple Crown, the best time, the best chance for me to have and complete in that is to do it while I'm on my mom's crazy good insurance. <laughs> and let me tell you that I was thankful that I was covered under her insurance when I was helicoptered out. That, that really saved my butt. If I was not on good insurance, then I would still be in debt for probably the next hundred years. Yeah, <laughs> probably actually. Yeah. When you hit the AT on that, that first day, that first night, were you, did you feel ready for it? Yeah, the, the entire year before the AT, I would always ask a bunch of my friends questions and, and my Boy Scout troop, there are, there are scout leaders who have through hiked, okay, through hiked the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail. So I would always bounce off ideas, resupply points, what gear I should get, if this is a good idea, if that's a bad idea. So I, I was always, always, uh, trying to get the best information the year prior. And I, I probably went to IEI, the, the camping store, probably at, at least two dozen times. I mean, they, they knew my name by heart over that, over the summer before. So, um, when I finally hit the AT, I was nervous because it was finally happening, but I was ready. There was no, no doubt in my mind that I was going to hike the entire thing. But and you started like if 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 my thing is correct, you started pretty early out there, right? Yeah, I. Um, what were you thinking? <laughs> I wasn't. I I started with another friend from Boy Scouts, and his birthday was uh is on February twenty seventh. So that plus the the thing that I'm from Connecticut, so I can easily take the weather in Georgia, no problem. Those two things caused me to to uh, begin the Appalachian Trail on February 27th. Oh my God, that that was a. I would never do that again. It, I was so, so cold. I mean, you, even if, if you were hiking, you still needed to wear a jacket and gloves and a hat and be covered head to toe. And if you stopped and took a break for more than five minutes, you had to put on another jacket and you had to probably put on heavier duty mittens. It was just, so so cold and like on day five i hiked through a, a snow storm slash ice blizzard storm so i i was 
I was not in the best attitude. I was thinking, <laughs> what the what the heck did we get ourselves into? But um, we I, I just dealt with the punches. Did you ever like in those first weeks? Did you ever go? You know what? Maybe I'll get off trail and I'll come back in a month and I'll do it then. Yeah, not not just in the four six weeks. I would say in the four six months, I would constantly think that. I would always say, "Is this really what I want to do?" Because you have good moments and bad moments, and the good moments far uh, more than the bad times. But there are a lot of bad moments, especially if you start in late February on the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. I, I would always say, you know what, is, is this what I want to do? But I would always say, no, you got, you have to do it. And especially in the White Mountains up in New Hampshire, which you're approaching the finish line then, mm-hmm. I would always say, I quit. No, I don't quit. I quit. No, I don't quit. And I would always fight with myself. And the motivating factor would be three things. One, the foundation. I, I felt like I, I couldn't give up on them, give up. And two, I had a niece that was just born, uh, I would say three months before I left on the AT. And I did not want to to have her think it's okay to just quit when the going gets tough. And three, I did not want to go back and have my friends be like, "Oh, so uh, so you couldn't you couldn't hug it this time." <laughs> so yeah, I can just imagine them. They're they're so kind. So they, tell me how are, the trail they, went. <laughs> they uh, and I. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to have anyone get the wrong impression. They are my best friends forever. They're my family, but you know how your relationship is with your best friend. Oh, they yeah. They just egg you on. Oh, yeah. They're like a sibling. Yeah. They love you, but that almost gives them free license to tease you. Yeah. They've seen me. They've known me my whole life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. When, Actually, I, I'm going to take that that question back because I was going to ask you like, when did a, the Triple Crown seem like something you wanted to do? But it sounds from what you had said earlier, it sounds like it really didn't hit you until doing the PCT and even doing the PCT for the second time, basically. Yeah, well, the I've I've always known about the PCT because of other scout leaders who have done it. Okay, but um, the I wasn't really focused on the CDT. I always knew, okay, if I do the Pacific Crest Trail, I might have to do the CDT, but I've, I never looked it up on the internet until I started hiking the PCT, like you said. And I said to myself, okay, when I complete the PCT, I have to do the CDT. I mean, you, in the hiking community, you can either do one out of three or three out of three. There's no doing two out of three. Otherwise, everyone will, will keep asking you, when are you going to to finish the trip crown? When's it going to happen? Did you, did you want to do 
the third trail? Because the the what you're saying basically is I have I had to I have to so I'm asking did you want to? Um, I'm glad you you asked me that. Um, yeah, I I wanted to do it, but I'm glad I did it uh, last or not forced because I knew that the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail were blazed, were well marked had minimal issues, but I've heard stories <laughs> about the CDT that you needed maps and compasses and it was horribly marked. So I wasn't really invested in doing that one quite like I was invested in doing the the um, Appalachian Trail and the PCT. And plus, I, there was no other scout leader who who did the CDT, so I I couldn't really have anyone to bounce any any ideas or questions off. So I wanted to get done with the two trails that I knew I could do some information about. So did because you did the CDT last year in 2020? Yeah, did it live up to your expectation? Well, it, it did, but for a different reason. Uh, last year and this year, but last year too, COVID-19 was, was uh, big, huge. Mm-hmm. And um, there were, the hot topic for hikers on the Facebook page was should they hike or should they postpone their hike? And I, a lot of people, if you did not postpone your hike, you were the devil. But, um, the, there was just a lot of, a lot of plans. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. <laughs> like I've forced, I wanted to do it northbound then. That kind of got postponed into southbound, and then southbound almost got postponed into a flip-flop hike, standing, and um, and uh, about three weeks before I was to start on my southbound hike up in Glacier National Park in Montana, uh, the Blackfeet. Uh, reservation the indian tribe nation up in montana up in east glacial they shut down the park and they were not going to open it for anyone let alone cdt hikers so that made another another problem because the start of the cdt starting in montana is on the reservation land and the only way to get to the start point is by going through reservation land and they were not allowing anyone to travel through their land, even on foot. So I technically have not uh, hiked the section in Glacier National Park, but I had to find, uh, I still hiked in Glacier National Park, but not on the CDT. Mm -hmm. I had to find my own way in in order to get to the Canadian border and then 
after a hundred or so miles, I was able to meet up with the CDT and keep hiking. But with COVID, of course, you had to always kind of, um, that was an issue if parks would be open by the time you got there or not. There was an issue that, okay, hitching into a town every other year, you can just stomach it easily. This year, COVID's going on. Everyone's paranoid because no one really knows anything about COVID. And um, the question was, will people accept you and bring you to a town? Uh, and so it, it that made it a lot harder this year. I, I've, I've never worked so hard preparing for a hike and not even taking a step on the trail before in my life. But um, the the CDT, the navigation aspect of it, it, compared to the AT and the PCT, it's much harder. But uh, you you do not need a map and compass anymore. You, um, it, granted, I did get lost about every single day for the first two months. So you can decide if you want to listen to me or not. But um, that you, I would constantly get lost, but I would still be able to see the direction where I should go. And there were trees that were always on the ground blocking the trail. So I think the biggest issue I had was I had to hike an area that was five to 10 miles of nothing but trees, trees one after the other. So it turns a, like a easy five mile day into something that can take most of the day to do, which is a pain in the butt. Yeah. Well, I would imagine because of the type of year it was yesterday or yesterday, last year yeah. that it, I mean, blowdowns are sort of like normal on the CDT, but I can only imagine that it was like so much worse because there didn't, there wasn't all the people traveling it. Exactly. So, um, since, co since COVID was an issue last year and this year, um, people were not really maintaining the trail yeah. because no one, no one really knew anything. So I, I was, uh, I was not in the best mood at times, but <laughs> I, I can't say that language right now. Otherwise it will not make you owe me look good. Yes. But, uh, I, the first uh, hundred miles of the real CDT, I was thinking to myself, if this is what the next five months is going to be like, I am going to really hate myself because <laughs> not only the blowdowns, but the, the creek crossings. And I, I'm six foot four. Mm -hmm. So I'm a tall person. And even I was going waist deep in creeks, one after the other. I mean, it, it makes no sense to dry out your boots because you will go in creek crossings at least 10, if not 20 times a day. <laughs> oh, man. <coughs> yeah.
Were you using gut hooks out there? I I was, yes. Okay. Um, gut hooks is my best friend. I love it. But I would say out of the three trails, the AT, PCT, and CDT, that the gut hooks, gut hooks is great on the CDT, but there's still some instances that I would I would have an intuition as a hiker. You have an intuition that you're not on the right trail, even on the CDT, and you would pull out gut hooks and it would say, no, you're on the red line, you're on the trail. But then you you pull out another navigation thing or another map and no, you're probably uh, half a mile or a mile off trail. So for the most part, gut hooks was fine, but but I I was told before I hiked the CDT, I was told by another hiker named Yogi um, that when I get to every intersection, even if it's a trail, uh, obvious path that I'm on, if I get to every intersection, I should stop and check gut hooks because if you're on a path and you think you're going the right way, odds are you're not going the right <laughs> way. So did you do it? I did, but I, I still, I I didn't do it well, obviously. I, I still <laughs> got lost every every now and then. How long did it take you to develop that sixth sense? Where you're just like, ah, this just doesn't quite feel right. God, um, it, it probably took a, a, at least a couple of weeks. I mean, you, it, it was weird. I, I, I've always had a, a sixth, sixth sense, but, um, the CDT was different because it, it wasn't as well maintained, well marked. So you needed to learn what the trail was, what it looked like, um, the terrain that you were hiking in, and you just mm-hmm. needed to be well adapted with where you were. And that took a couple of weeks at least. <laughs> You're out in the middle of freaking nowhere. Like, yeah. nowhere, nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because... Uh, some sometimes the CDT the path the path would be kind of like you cut grass, but uh, it, 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 the grass is still way too high. But you can still kind of see that okay, this path is different than every other location. So this is the way I go. That's that's. Mm-hmm. The CDT. <laughs> that is the CDT. Did you, because I'm assuming that when you got lost every day, <laughs> you basically, like you had the sense, you're like, this just doesn't feel right. You look, however, to determine that. And then it's basically sort of, you're not really backtracking. You're more kind of cross country in yeah, well, the trail. You know, every time I would, you you always cross country, right? I mean, as a hiker, you're saying, 
why would I backtrack? I can just cross country and save a bunch of time. And uh, 10 out of 10 times, for me, that was the incorrect decision to do. Um, on, on every other trail, that would be perfect because there's an easy path to tell you that you're on the correct trail. But mm-hmm. on the CDT, you're cross-country and, and you might only be a half a mile away, but 30 minutes later, you're like, oh, crap, I haven't seen anything because sometimes the path is so faint and you can't see where you're supposed to be on. So for the CDT, it is always a better decision to just backtrack. I mean, it, it might kill you inside to backtrack because <laughs> I, I hate doing more miles than I have to. If I'm doing a 20-mile day, I better be doing a 20-mile day and no more. But it, I, I uh, screwed myself a lot by cross-country and, and thinking I would save time. So how, how often did you actually backtrack versus go, this time it's going to be different. This time it's going to work if I go across country. I don't think I ever backtracked. <laughs> I, were, I, was, I was always optimistic. I always said, you know what, last time this did not work, but this time it's going to be better. And then it wasn't. And I would say, oh, I'm never doing this again. I learned my lesson. And then I would do it again and say, a mile this way or a quarter mile through the woods, I'm just going to cross country. And then that would that would be the wrong decision. I mean, I even in New Mexico, a week and a half from the finish, I I got lost and I should have just backtracked a mile. But I, I said, no, I can go through the woods and save about three quarters of a mile. But that three quarters of a mile was, or that quarter to half mile was nothing but thick, dense brush. And it just, it, it was a pain in the butt. So it, it's always a better decision to just backtrack. So you're basically saying, do what I say, not what I did. <laughs> Yeah, do what I say, not what I do. Learn from me. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! When did you meet the Wonder Women? I I met them. Well, they they hiked the CDT as a flip, so they went from um, Wyoming to Mon- to Northern Montana, and then back to Wyoming to New Mexico. So I met them. I was in Idaho. I was going south. They were coming north and we crossed paths. And then I didn't meet them again until probably New Mexico. So I, I, I knew of them. And because of my Facebook page, I knew of them too, because people who were following me were following them as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I didn't really start hiking with them and seeing them a lot until New Mexico. And then in in that state, we would just arrive at the same campsite or at the same town and 
have a zero day on the same day. So then that's when we got to know each other well. Nice. They're, they're really, really cool. They're hiking the PCT this I year. I know. I know. I'm going to follow. Yeah, you should. <laughs> the continuing adventures of Pesky. <laughs> Did you, I, I think on all the trails, you had some sort of trail family, right? Yes. But it's not, it wasn't the same people each time. Yeah, I'm my... On the Appalachian Trail, I had um, my trail mom and dad were penguin men in Dallas. And uh, the PCT, I I had trail family both years. But in 2019, when I went back, I had uh, a good amount of trail family uh, with with pineapples and happy feet and, and all of them. And... I'm sure some of your listeners are thinking, well, who are these people and <laughs> why, why would their parents name them pineapples and happy feet? But on, on the, on these hikes, you have a trail name. So, uh, we were talking about the Wanda women. That's their trail name. And my trail name, no one was calling me Jonathan. Everyone was calling me Moneymaker. Where did that come from? That that came because from, of that came because uh, of the fact that I I do all of my hikes for a fundraiser and I make a I make a good amount of money and um but uh, before I forget and get yelled at by my <laughs> by my trail family this year there was honest Abe and Tink Tink Skipper Crash. Kill, and uh, I do. I needed to squeeze that in because I'm sure they will be listening in five weeks. But, yeah, um, they would. They would feel bad. They they would. They would text me like, "Dude, no love for us." But um, yeah, my my trend name was money is money maker, and uh, I actually I live up to my trail name because between the three through hikes. The four hikes, but the three hikes, mm-hmm. I have raised a little over $250,000 for the Alpha One Foundation. Wow. Congratulations. That's Thank amazing. Yeah, How? I, go, please. No, I, I raised 56000 in 2014, 82000 in 2018, 62000 in 2019 and 64,000 last year. So, wow. Yeah. How do they, how do people donate or like what is that process? Through, through social media, like I said, I have a Facebook page and that has about 2,000 people who like it and another 2,000 people who follow the page. And on that page, is a link that gets you to my fundraising page. So my my big motto is donate and donate often. Tell your friends <laughs> to donate. And yeah, yeah, I have no issue asking people for for money for for something like for something like that. Yeah, absolutely. How how close are they to a cure, do you think? <sighs> I, I was 
we were told about seven or so years ago that there will be a cure in the next 10 to 15 years. So I, I'm very optimistic. I, I'm not a scientist. So the, the best use for me for the foundation is hiking and raising money. Mm-hmm. But, um, my, they, they believe that there will be a cure definitely sometime in my lifetime. But that, whether that's now or quite a bit down the line, I don't really know, but I think it will be sooner rather than later. Right. How, how many people, what, what percentage of the population is affected by alpha one deficiency? About one in every uh, 2,500. That's for, for the U S right. That's there's a lot of people. Yeah. There's a couple, there's, believed that a couple hundred thousand uh people have it but um it, it's uh it's uh, uh i i can actually probably tell you the exact number after the the podcast but um it's it's believed that a lot more people have this disease than than well ever no, I mean it's of Scandinavian descent. So people who died in the early 1900s and even now from l- lung disease or emphysema or liver issues, potentially. Uh, you put. I mean, it's not a uh, given that they have the disease, but the probability that they had alpha one deficiency is is high. Mm -hmm. So is that one of the, the main, uh, I guess, populations that is affected is Scandinavian? Yeah. European, Irish, um, around those countries and me, my, my grandmother, oh, I'm, I'm a 25% Irish. So I, I got the luck of the draw, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Irish had their day with the Vikings. Dublin was a Viking center for a while and yeah, so forth. So yeah, I, I got it twice. Is, I guess this is just uh, my bad luck coming to nip me in the butt. <laughs> when you were on the PCT and you got to that point where you had had to get off before and you take that next step and you're like, okay, like chase that ghost, stake that ghost. We're, we're going forward. We're still going. Was that satisfying? Uh, yeah. Cause, um, like I said, when I first got off and had to endure the surgery in the hospital, I, I had no ambition to ever go back on the, the PCT. But when I, it, it took a couple months, like after one or two, after two months, I wanted to just finish it. Mm-hmm. Then after another month, I said, no, I, I know that I want to start over. And that felt satisfying because when I was in the hospital from that time to late September, early October, there was three, three and a half months, I was really depressed. 
I mean, I, I, I was not feeling good at all. My dream was taken from me and I, I was just in a terrible mood the entire time. And my, my friends and my family could, could see it as well. But when I made the decision to, to start over, it, it really made me re-energize because I was, I had something to look forward to and it wasn't done. Like I said, I had the chance to write another chapter to the book that wasn't just and he got helicoptered off, and that was the end of that. Did that getting helicoptered off for some something that is so random? I mean, so so random. Did it feel like something had been stolen from you? Yeah, I when when I I told you I had a perforated abscess. Well, I found yeah. that out in the hospital. I had no idea what oh. was going on when I was hiking. So when I was hiking, I was moving like a slug and I was feeling terrible and I had no idea what was going on. And I, I was just in a horrible place mentally because I, I didn't have an answer for what I was going through. And my friends, they made the decision to hit the SOS button for me on their spot device, their GPS device, which in hindsight, I thank them immensely. It saved my life. But yeah. at the time I was thinking, no, don't do that. When I get to the next town, I will have it checked out, but I do not want to be medically or helicoptered off the mountain. And I, I was just being stubborn, which still I'm, I'm stubborn today. But at the time, I was so focused on the task at hand at the PCT that my health, I won't say I wasn't thinking about it, but I was kind of putting it way far, not even in the box seat, but in the trunk. So I, I wasn't taking care of myself like I should have. What were you feeling? Was it just that you were slowing down or were you actually in pain or? I, I both, I was slowing down, but I was in pain too. My, my stomach was just killing me. And I was all the time up and down the mountain. And there was one instance, this was kind of the, the, uh, straw that broke the camera's back. I went, over a, a pass, a mountain in the Sierra, and it was a seven mile from bottom to top. And that took me 10 hours to do. Oof. And because I just, I was, I was going at a unbelievable, unbelievably slow pace. And when I got to the top, I was just crawling and basically rock climbing to the top. And I got there and I just laid on my back on the snow. And I was like, oh, crap. Now I have to go down because at this point it's four o'clock. So you need to get off the mountain, which is 11 and a half thousand feet. And you need to hike 
two miles down to still 10,000 feet, but you're below tree line. Yeah. So I, I was in quite a bit of pain. How did you do it? <laughs> I mean, just. <laughs> yeah, I, well, first of all, I, I had a lot of people who helped me. When I was in pain, I would always stop and lay on the side of the trail and try to catch my breath. And I had people who helped me get to like the next campsite. There were, for some reason, there was a lot of people around me during that time. So they helped me get to the next campsite. But, um, the day I'm talking about the, Seven Mile Mountain. Mm -hmm. I was basically alone on that day. And what kept me going was just stubbornness. I, like I said, I didn't know what was going on with me. I, I thought it was constipation. I had no idea what it was. So if, if I knew how serious it was, maybe I would have treated it differently, but it was just completely complete stubbornness that made me keep going because I, I wanted to just get to the next town, which in hindsight on the Sierra, there's, there's not no, many of them. No such thing as getting to the next ward intersection to get to a town. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy. I, I, um, listened to my friends. I'm assuming that you weren't feeling bad when you went into the Sierras, that it was something that happened once you got in. Basically. Yeah, I, that, 2018 was not my best year. Anyway, I, I started the PCT with waterproof boots, which I'm used to the AT style hiking where waterproof boots make more sense. But starting off in the desert, with waterproof boots just destroyed my feet after the first 20 miles both my feet were covered in blisters so that that should have been my first clue that this isn't going to be the the hike I want it to be but I I was taking vitamin I and I leave and everything because my feet just never really got completely better and uh I started the Sierra and I felt good because now I was in the snow. So my feet were feeling better because of the, the ice. Mm -hmm. But, um, I, I even summoned Mount Whitney, but after about, uh, one, once I went up and I went up and over Mount Whitney, then up and over Forrester Pass. And then that's when I started feeling bad. And I was thinking, mm -hmm. uh oh, this, this isn't good. But, uh, yeah, known my lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Learned your lesson or will be more aware. We'll be, we'll be more aware. Yeah. I, I don't think I've, I, have really learned my lesson, but I listen to my body a lot more. Does that, did you find that that helps you like that helped you on returning to the PCT? It helps you on the CDT. It, it did, but um, 
you know, know. yeah, people say that the the AT and the CDT are so much harder than than the PCT. Yeah. And um, I don't know. For me, I I had a difficult time health-wise on the PCT. 2018 happened. I came back in 2019. I was like, okay, I'm listening to my doctors, I'm taking the proper medication. If I am in any pain, I'm not even taking Tylenol. I'll just suck it up, buttercup. And um, I said, I'm going, it's going to be better. And uh, two things happened in 2019. One, when I was at Mount Baden-Powell, still in the desert in California, I was using micro spikes for the snow because 2019 was a big snow year. Yeah. And um, my micro spikes and pores gave out on me. So I fell about 30 or so feet. So I fell and just slid down the mountain Jesus. and I, uh, I hit a tree. So uh, I hit a tree with my hip. I tried to get it with my backpack, but of course I missed. And um, it, it, let me tell you, it's a terrifying thing to realize that you can't dig into the snow You uh, and the only way for you to stop is to hit a tree. That, that I thought I was going to be done again with my hike. So... Um, Anyways, I lost all of my skin from my right elbow to my right forearm, completely gone, washed away. And uh, I ended up summiting Baden-Powell and getting to a parking lot where there was a fire angel. And because of the snow, uh, a helicopter came and picked me up and brought me to a hospital. So that was my second time I got helicoptered off a mountain. And um, if that wasn't bad enough, a couple of weeks later, I wasn't feeling great in my, my stomach area. And I was thinking, oh, no, is this another perforated abscess? So I, I went to a hospital in the nearby town. And it turned out that I had multiple blood clots in both of my lungs. So uh What? <laughs> yeah, I I I've had a history of blood clots in the past. So I I I kind of knew what was happening, but I was thinking, no, there's no way I'm taking medication for it. I take needles every single day. Um, I can't have blood clots, but my doctors told me that I had blood clots. And that was another thing because at that point, I was in the town of uh, Tehachapi, California, which is very close to the Sierra. Mm -hmm. So my doctor in California said, well, my doctor forced it to me, maybe you should stop hiking. I hear kayaking is really fun this time of year. <laughs> and 
And I finally, I said to my doctor, look, I will take as much time off as I need to, but I'm hiking. So once, once they understood that, they said, okay, well, the best thing you can do is once you get back on trail, you need to avoid high elevation, which the Sierra <laughs> is high elevation. So um, in 2019, I, I threw hiked it, but my northbound hike turned into a flip because I had to uh, skip the Sierra and come back to it when my lungs were a lot stronger. So that's what I did. I skipped it. I did Oregon and Washington. Then I came back and did uh, the Sierra two, two, two or two and a half months later. And by that point, my lungs were a lot stronger. So I was fine. Did you feel at that point... I think I would have felt that the PCT was um, mad at you for something or like was out to get you. Yeah. I, I look, I'm a, I'm a boy scout. I'm a good guy. I was, (laughs) I was thinking what's going on. What did I do to you? I mean, even when I was hiking Mount Baden Powell, Baden Powell is the founder of boy scouts. So when I, when I had to be helicoptered after summit in Mount Baden-Powell, I was thinking, dude, I'm an Eagle Scout. You should give me some love, right? But, yeah, the, the PCT, I I was thinking, I don't know what I did in a previous life to deserve this, but it needs to get better because I I don't know how much more I can I can take health-wise. Yeah. Because my friends kept telling me, John, I I don't know how many lives you have left, but you're running through all your nine lives. Yeah. You and the PCT are testing the theories. Oh my God. Yeah. I I I don't think I really enjoyed a zero day in 2018 and the beginning of my 2019 hike because every zero day I would just go to the hospital because some kind of pain was going on. And I, especially after what happened in 2018, I was going to take no chances. So anytime I had a slight, slight injury, I would just go to the hospital. Did it ever make you question why you were out there? Yeah. Um, well, uh, after the incident of me hitting the tree, sliding down the mountain, I was that that was a turning point in my hike because I remember kind of catching my breath. My friend Pineapples was above the mountain, was above me, saying, "Money maker, are you okay?" And I was just like, "What happened?" And I was like, "Okay." You're, you're, you're doing good. And I just caught my breath and I said to myself, look, you have a second chance and you're wasting it. You need to, you need to be a lot better at just taking care of your body. Because if, if this 
is indication for what's to come, then you, then you are not going to succeed. But I, I never had, I never thought that I should come back home. I just was thinking, okay, you're ruining your opportunity. You need to do things a lot better. Be more observant, I guess. Yeah, like more cautious, maybe, or more yes, thoughtful. Yeah, and and <laughs> then and then the blood clots happened, and I was like, I cannot catch a break. I don't know what's going on, but I had good people with me. I had friends who, who, who flipped to Oregon with me. So I was hiking with people, and they could see that I was I was physically worn out because the blood clots made my lungs very weak. Mm-hmm. So it was a good idea to skip to lower elevation, but I was still above 6,000 feet, which, which after just getting blood clots a few weeks earlier, it's not the best decision to be high up. So, um, they could see that I was definitely not my, not my old self. I was resting a lot, taking breaks. I was huffing and puffing a lot, but it, it took probably a, a good month until I started feeling like I, I was actually getting better. Having those people with you, having that, uh, the tramley with you. Um, I'm sure it it made you feel safer because obviously you had been having some issues, but they also, it sounds like changed their hike for you and for your needs. I mean, I, I wouldn't really say that because okay. they were going to flip anyway. Uh, I okay. was just, before I... I had my blood clots. I was too stubborn to say, no, I'm going to skip the Sierra because people, people would flip and skip the Sierra because of all the snow. I didn't want to be that person. I wanted to at least attempt it. And if I decided to, to bail out and to flip, that would be my decision. But I wanted to give it a shot. But after the blood clots, that was out of the question. I mean, right. I, I took uh, 12 days off trail and then I started hiking again, but I was still very weak. I I was much better, but there was no way I would be able to go from four or 5,000 feet to 13,000 feet. Mm-hmm. That, that, no way I would be able to do that. Where was your end point? Your your northern terminus, so to speak. <coughs> well, I uh, my end point was in Hikotown in Lancaster, California, <laughs> because I had my blood clots about seventy miles south of Tehachapi. So uh, I I skipped the Sierra. I skipped Northern California. Did Oregon. I did Washington. Then I went back to Northern California. I went from Northern California down to uh, Tehachapi. Then I went from Tehachapi 
to Lancaster, and that's where I ended. So it was very anticlimactic. I was going to ask, but um, I I felt I felt like I achieved uh, because for first of all, I, there's a lot of misconception that a through hike is a straight shot, either going north or going south, and I I kind of thought that way too, but then I had my blood clots happen to me and I was faced with the decision, you know, you you can try the Sierra Baadza, you're going to be helicoptered out with pneumonia. So um for me it was a no bueno, my lungs were not in good enough shape to just go from the hospital to the Sierra. So yeah. I, I, I felt like I had to, uh, do a flip. And for me, since I had to do it, that, that kind of gave me the mindset. Okay. I, I'm still, uh, I'm still a okay. And I, uh, I have a bunch of friends who, who, uh, who flipped on the trail and I, I will. 100% car them through hikers. I mean, if, if anyone listening doesn't think that a flip is a through hike and they haven't stepped foot on either the PCT, CDT, or the AT, they would be surprised. So, uh, you still have to do all the, the miles. Yeah. It's easier to talk to talk the talk rather than walk the walk, literally. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You bring up an interesting point in that there are people who are purists who are like, there's one way to hike it. There's only one way to hike it. If you don't do that, then you're not a through hiker or whatever. And then there is that you're hiking the miles. Like depending upon circumstance, you have to flip-flop you have to shuffle around to get the miles done um and in some respects that can be harder because you're having to travel around so much to get things done <laughs> oh my god yeah Two, 2019 was very tough because i had my issues with my lungs and like i said that was a huge snow year mm-hmm. so and the snow wasn't just in the Sierra. It was everywhere. Yeah. Southern California, Northern California, Oregon, Washington. So um, I had to not only decide where the best place to go for me to recover was, but I needed to try to find a location that had a good mile stretch without a significant amount of snow because I was still recovering. So snow would not have made it easier. And there's only so much I can do. I I still had to hike through quite a bit of snow in Oregon anyway. But by the time I I got to those locations, my, my lungs had been given a month of rest. So I I wasn't in great shape, but I was significantly better than where I was a month prior. And um, 
purist. I was a purist on the AT. Then I hiked the PCT and I realized there is no such thing as being a purist for the PCT or for the CDT because they have something that the AT isn't, isn't as impacted as much with and that's snow. So yeah. if, if there's deep snow, there's no following the trail. There's just following footprints or following the wow up a hill that you think is the best way to get to the summit. And most times you're not on the trail. So technically you're not being purist. <laughs> so damn. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would love to talk to a purist who, who just hiked the AT and completely, mm -hmm. completely shut them down on that mentality for the PCT and CDT. Yeah. You make a good point. I mean, many times people literally go straight up the hill where the trail is not going to do anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, when you think of the PCT, what is the memory that comes to mind first? Oh God. I, uh, you know, the, the PCT, I, I did the Appalachian Trail when I was 18. I turned 19 on the trail. So I was still the young guy mm -hmm. by a few years. So everyone treated me like I was the baby of the group. And uh, 2018 came and I was older than 21. Now I'm actually, uh, I have some street credit because I, I hiked the AT. So people, are treating me like I'm an adult, actually. And now, since I'm older than 21, people are treating me like an adult. And um, I, the friendships on the PCT, I think, were, more, were different than the AT because there were people my age and they since they were the same age, they weren't treating me as if I was uh, a baby of the group or if I was an old man for the group. So uh, I will always remember the friendships. I still, I still do not like it to this day that everyone, almost everyone from my trail family lives out west and I'm. 2000 miles away in Connecticut. But, um, I of course remember that. And of course, what will always be etched in my, my brain is the, or the helicopter rides and the hospital visits. That's something that, that will just never go away. But, um, the, the PCT, if I didn't have if I didn't think I had fun in 2018 up to the incident, then I probably would not have gone again in 2019. Mm -hmm. So that there's bad memories, but the good ones outweigh the bad ones. What about for the CDT? All right. The, well, the CDT, uh, I, I, 
what something whale happened to me. The group that I hiked with, um, I was with the same group of people for pretty much the entire time, which on the CDT, people say most of the time you will be alone. Well, I started with a guy named Skipple. I ended five months later with a guy named Skipple, with that guy. The first week or two, I met a guy named Honest Abe and a woman named Tink Tank. And four months later, I ended with those two people. I mean, on the date that I ended, that I got to the Mexico border, there was 10 of us, wow. which is un- unheard of. Yeah. But um, the CDT, I will always remember the, those people. I mean, I, I, I was another year or two older than the PCT. So obviously there was some level of maturity, I like to think. <laughs> and there was some kind of grown-up ex- uh, language and experiences that I, that I was able to have that I just didn't do as a shy 18 or 19 year old kid trying not to offend people. So, um, I, I will remember that. I will always remember all the blowdowns and the river crossings that just made me think, why the heck would someone make this? Why would they do it? But, um, you, you just need to laugh. I mean, mo- I would always lie to myself on every hike. I would lie to myself and say, tomorrow's going to be better. And it might, but you don't know that. True. And yeah, so sometimes it is. Uh, a lot of the times it's not. So, <laughs> but you, you just need to, you need to tell yourself something in order to keep going for tomorrow and then tomorrow comes it's a bad day you say okay tomorrow will be better what about the at but um the the eight oh god the at i grew i grew up the most on the at my my mom if she was here she would tell you the same thing but uh I was 18 when I took my first steps on the, on the AT. So I was technically an adult, but I was far from it. Some would say I'm far from an adult right now, but, um, I, uh, I was still trying to maneuver through life and I needed the experiences that an adult should have in order to live a life. So um, I would constantly call my parents up on the phone to ask their opinion, to have questions because I was 18, eight, I was 18, so I would always say, "Mom, what should I do? Dad, what should I do?" And then after a couple of weeks, my dad and mom just said to me, "Look, John." You're in Georgia, you're in North Carolina. I understand you don't know what to do, but whatever you decide, we are behind you 100%. So it took about a month for me to go from asking my parents what to do all the time to just 
given my parents updates of what I did. And that, that was, my mom really liked seeing that transition because it was, it was seeing a, a lot of growth in front of her eyes. So, um, but I will remember that. I will remember the people. I, the ending for the AT gave me a lot of confidence that I could do whatever I, I set my mind to in my life. How has that translated to the other areas of your life? You mean non-hiking? Yeah, those, um, those crazy areas when you oh just God. aren't doing the thing you love to do. You mean bowling life? Um, <laughs> well, uh, to, to tell you the truth, out of the last seven years, I've probably been hiking most of it. So I, I can't really can't really say that it's impacted that part a ton because it was the AT, then I went to college, and then I did the PCT. I got helicoptered out. Next year, did the PCT, finished it. The next year, did the CDT, and I finished it. So, um, but that, the, the one thing is I have the mentality now that I can do anything. And uh, yeah, I will probably run into some bumps in the world. But if I set my mind to it and I want it bad enough, then I can do it. And I would say that the, the PCT taught me how to deal with, with things a lot more than the other trails. I am, I, knock on wood, but I, <laughs> I don't think that there is something now that I will face that will make me say, this is too difficult because I was thrown through the wingle on the PCT. So I, I think that I can achieve basically whatever I set out to do. And I, I can see that because when I first talked about doing the AT, I was nervous and I was thinking it be, it would be nice to do the AT. Maybe I will be able to do the AT. But after the Appalachian Trail, it went from maybe I can do it to I'm doing the PCT. I'm doing the CDT. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. The, the thought of it not happening just doesn't enter my mind because I know I can do it. You have a certainty. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm just trying to look. I'm just looking at my notes for this. Um, no, no problem. And there's a, and I don't remember the context of it, honestly, but there was a post that you did where you, I think, called yourself or finally called yourself a real hiker. I, I'm trying to think if I was joking or not. When, when was that? Was that the seal or? I don't remember. It would have been towards, it was probably on the CDT. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I, I was uh, kind of joking, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there, there is some truth to that too, because on the AT and on the PCT, I was incredibly slow. Like I, I would do 
300 miles a month, maybe 400, which is still a lot. But if you have a trail that's 2,500 miles, 400 miles a month, that's like half a year. So uh, yeah. on, on the CDT, my friends, everyone was not really worried about me, but they said, okay, John, no more lollygagging this time. You, you need to, you need to kind of hike with a purpose, with the finish line. Well, not with the finish line in your mind, but you need to have from the gecko a number of miles you want to do a day. And especially southbound. And I, I, I would prefer to northbound every single trail because you have an extra month at least to hike because you have April and now May. And uh, when I southbounded, I did not start until July 2nd. And that was, and that was two months, two weeks later than an ideal start date for going southbound. So I was already behind schedule from day one. So um, uh, my mentality had to change from enjoying all the towns and spending a couple of days here and a couple of days there to, all right, you get to a town, next day you have to leave. <laughs> you, you have to go in and out and you, you need to do 20 mile days from the gecko. I mean, the 18 PCT, I would do 15 to 20 most days. And on the CDT, I did 22 to 25 miles a day every single day. And I did uh, another handful or two or two of 30 plus mile days. But most of the time I was between uh, 23, 25 miles every single day because I knew I had to hike with the purpose. And since I was hiking in July, I needed to try to get to the San Juans in Colorado before the snow, the potential snow came. So I, I really needed to hike this one a bit differently than the other two. It sounds like it was more of a job, so to speak. Yeah, but um, there, there's a saying that the, the worst day on trail is better than the best day at work. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it was a job I, I, I hiked with a pedometer and, uh, my biggest day, I did about 80,000 steps. <laughs> so, uh, that, that, oh my God, that was a tough day. But, uh, yeah, it, it was like a, like a job in a lot of ways. I had to start out like on day three, I did 21 miles. And on the PCT, I didn't do 20 miles until month two. So uh, <laughs> I, I, after the first week, I already had a handful of 20-mile days, and I, I just had to keep keep getting at it. I, I knew that, okay, you you can hike fast, but you also need to take care of your body. So, But I knew if I was getting injured, I couldn't slow down a lot because I was already behind. So 
a 20 mile day might turn into a 17 mile day if I'm injured, which isn't a lot, but you, you'd be surprised yeah. how much those three miles help. Well, and it adds up like, you know, you're supposed to be doing 20 to 25, you do 15 to 20 and all of a sudden yeah. you've got an extra week or two at the end. And well, I, I was, I was hiking Skipple. Uh, he's, he's in his fifties. So he's double my age and, uh, he's an accountant, a retired accountant. So I talked to him for months before the piece, the CDT, and he would always let me know the mileage we had to do. And when we northbound it, it was nice. It was like 15 miles a day, which I did at that time I could do. And then we turned into southbound and he said, oh, we have to do 26, 27 miles if we want to get to heel by a certain date. So I I always knew the mileage that I had to do. But um, How did you know him ahead of time? I met him on the PCT. Okay. So we we both ended up flipping. He flipped for his reason. I flipped for mine. So I, I kept running into him. And finally, on like the third or fourth time, I said, you know, I I know you a little better now. Next year, I'm hiking the CDT. If you want to hike it with me, you're more than welcome. And he was, he said, nah, no way. No way I'm doing that. But the year prior, he hiked the Appalachian Trail, and that's the same thing he said about the PCT. And a couple, a few months, a couple months after I got home, he called me up and said, I think I want to hike the CDT with you. So that made my mom happy because she wanted yeah. me to hike with people for the CDT. Yeah. Well, after your uh, PCT adventures. Yeah. If I were your parents, I don't know how excited I would be if you were going to go off on your own. <laughs> no, they, um, but they, they understood, uh, they understood what I wanted to do. Um, yeah. my, my mom basically knew after the AT that, that there wasn't going to be, a, a, a conversation on whether or not I should stop hiking. Yeah. Your your life had basically been given over to the through hiking gods. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's my favorite type of addiction. If yeah, I mean, there, there's other trails I would like to do, but like I told you, I'm turning 26. But if it wasn't for that fact, I would most definitely be on another trail this year. So you just got to find that great insurance plan. If you if you find one, and if it's in California, I've been moved to California. But uh, I um, finding yeah, good insurance is hell. It is. It, I mean, it, I wish that people that when I got back, people were just like, "Okay, here's a job. You can hike for the rest of your life and have good insurance." I would love that, but um, I yeah. I'm, I don't know. It's been, it's been four, four or so months since the CDT and no one's called me up to say, we want you to work for us. And we're offering 
health insurance. Yeah. So I, that's probably a, a dream. It might be, it might be. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that we should? Oh God. Um, well, yes. Um, my, I, I talked about the Alpha One Foundation, but my fundraising page, if anyone wants to go to it, is www.facebook.com slash hiking for a cure. And it's the number four. Okay. So beautiful. Where else can people find you if they want to follow your continuing adventures or have any questions for you? Well, mainly through that Facebook site. I have an Instagram page, but I, even though I'm a millennial, I'm an old person. I'm an, I'm an old guy with a young soul. So, um, I don't understand technology. So I try to keep it to either one or the other, but I do have an Instagram and it's moneymaker underscore AT 2014. Okay. But it sounds like it, people would be better off taking you on Facebook and, yeah. and asking or following there. Okay. Yeah. And uh, like I said, if if anyone listening wants to give me insurance to do another hike, I would be forever indebted to them. They know you have the staying power. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the, the, like I said, there's a lot of other hikes I want to do. So I, it's just finding the the yeah. job and and the time that allows me to do it. When you think of all of the trails that you've done and all of the time you spent hiking, what is the first memory that comes to mind? Even before the through hikes? If, if possible, yeah. Well, I, I don't know if this is the first memory, but this is probably engraved in me because it was the motivating factor that made me want to hike the entire AT. But I would say all of the practice hikes I did as a Boy Scout getting ready to do the week-long Appalachian Trail hike because on all the practice hikes, I was I was a slow guy. I was the one people had to wait for. And uh, that, that, that kind of made me say to myself, okay, I'm going to hike the AT. So those are the, the memories that one year of all the practice hikes. That was sort of what set you up for everything that came? Yeah, that, that's what set me up. And because of the AT, I obviously grew into a much faster hiker. And then the rest is history. Thank you to Jonathan for sharing his stories from the trails and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. If you want to see our conversation, we now also have a video version of this podcast on our website at hiking-through.com or you can go directly to our brand new Hiking Through channel on YouTube. 
On next week's episode, I'll be talking with Triple Crowner, Space Jam, known off trail as Kevin Grumman, about all of his trail adventures. I hope that this conversation, these conversations, inspire you to get out there and have a few hiker trash moments of your own. Or, you know, maybe pull up with some epic trail magic. I'll see you on the trail. <laughs>